0: He's making me What's time thing to think they kill i keep a fire lose a living I gotta go faster Keep up the pace Just to stay in the human race I could go supersonic The problem's chronic
1: Snatchos, amigos, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Record Breakers. Another week, another gathering of record reviewers, another gathering of friends to talk about music and share it with each other. Uh, I am Petey Rafe, your man with no plan, here with me. As always, is my team of of friends, my my virtual lunch table of compatriots to share music with. We've got none other than Drew.
2: Hey, what's up?
1: We've got Brett. You see, they fly into the black hole. Mm-hmm. And we've got Patrick. Bonjour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here gathered to talk about music and share it with each other. Here to share music with us, once again, is Brett. Brett, what do you got for us this week?
3: All right, kids. I went to Canada not long ago, and I saw a <laughs> band play their 40th year anniversary concert in their hometown. That band was three dudes in a band called rush. Uh, and, uh, during that show, I saw them play three tracks from this album and it blew me away because they actually did it. And in a very weird way, that album is a farewell to Kings again by the band rush. Mm -hmm. Can I mention that they're Canadian?
1: Yes. Uh, we're doing rush again. We're revisiting rush. Uh, one of our, I think one of our favorite albums uh, to talk about previously uh, was also a Rush album. Uh, and I have to ask, there's probably going to be a lot of expectations uh, pre-built with uh, the crew. But let's just go ahead and ask, Drew, what did you expect coming in into this album?
2: Well, let's see. It's Rush. So I expected Rush. Um, I expected great bass playing. I expected great guitar playing. I expected amazing drumming um and i expected some crazy far out lyrics i expected insanely tight musicianship um and i expected to have the uh music nerd inside of me very happy by the time we ended listening to this record
1: Mm -hmm. patrick what did you expect coming into this album
0: um, this is this is a Rush album that is not it's not on my my constantly listened to Rush albums. It, I, it's more of the early Rush, although some early Rush I will, I really love, but it's Rush. They are they're they're probably in in several decades going to go. You know, music nerds will be like, no, they're pretty much the best band ever. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think they are say they, that. Yeah, they they've been playing music for like forty years, and it's still good. Like even their new stuff is still pretty good.
1: Uh yeah. And I will say, uh my my brother hates them. And it's kinda hilarious. <laughs> he prefers I, the I Rolling know, Stones.
0: Like
1: your, brother. your brother's <laughs> a Yeah,
0: your brother needs to GTFO. <laughs> the Rolling Stones are god awful.
1: <laughs> uh Brett, how would you go about describing Rush again? Assuming that somebody's coming into this particular episode not having heard our previous episode, and or maybe even doesn't know who Rush is.
3: Well, I mean, you know, this ain't moving pictures. You ain't gonna get no Tom Sawyer. Uh, You know this. This isn't your. You're gonna hear. You're gonna hear one track off of this on radio play, but you're gonna step foot into some fucking weird from the get go. Um This is an album that I absolutely have a, a personal emotional tie to i mean this uh, this album has songs that i noodle around on, on my guitar uh it's i you know i love this album for its sci-fi sounds and its sci-fi themes and lyrics um they're you know there are a few certain things that make this stand out more than other rush albums um the drums in this are like always amazing but uh, this album incorporates uh, orchestral bells, tubular bells, temple blocks, triangle, glockenspiel, all sorts of weird stuff, you know, cuz you know, you got three guys in the band, they need to keep busy. Um the bass is also very exceptional. Like it's it's not just something to say that the bass is exceptional, but when you hear that the lyrics and the vocals are going in a completely different direction while Getty's going Ape shit on the bass in a different direction that is probably the hardest thing to do especially being essentially the front man of a band full of front men um and you know this also gives you something that you don't get anymore but it was something that really is something to latch onto in this album and some others you get big voice getty like he has his this is the peak of getty's you know, big voice and you get a whole lot of that. There's also major synth keyboard foot pedals. This is like the first album where they really integrated it as a key part of their songwriting. It's not just added flavor and ambient swells. They actually had synthesizers as, as it's integral. Um, you know, a good honorable mention on all of this stuff is Alex Lifeson had some killer tone on this album. Like, uh, especially when he was using wah pedal, um, he doesn't play all the notes, but he plays a few notes very, very well at the right time. And, and, you know, with all Rush albums, nobody has a real guitar solo or a real bass solo or a real drum solo. You have an everybody solo, <laughs> and the fact that they they pull it off and it resolves and it doesn't sound sour at any moment, like they're, it's such a tidy album for as weird as it gets. And that's really what makes this stand out to me over all the other, you know, they made some music and they made a bunch of it and it's all pretty good, but this is one of the ones that I latch on to and it's mainly because it's weird.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, drew, what would be the themes and elements that caught your attention?
2: Well, it's rush. So we'll get into that real quick. Uh, Russia's musicianship is always top notch. There's not much you can say about that. It's, it's rush. Um, it's to me, Rush is the band that if you listen to them at certain points, um, and I'll get into this when we break down songs, but at certain points in the record, you can hear where the like crazy musicians were just sitting around at the studio and be like, Hey, what if we added this weird thing here for no apparent reason? What would that sound like? Let's make it sound cool. Like, that's just the kind of musicians Rush were, it was just like. Let's give it a shot and then, okay, it sounds kind of cool. Let's make it work. Let's figure out how to make this work. And I I very much enjoy that side of music because I have been known to do that with my friends. Um, So that's neither here nor there. This album, what was cool about it was um, the the synth parts that were just like sprinkled in before you got to something like moving pictures where there was uh, quite a few more of them um, was really really cool to hear where like that sort of thing started because this is where they started like apparently like putting them in more and more and more which is something you can kind of get lost knowing like the breadth of what Rush is now Um, this was a lot less uh, overarching concept as 2112 was 2112 had the one like overarching thing that tied all of it together whereas this didn't have that this is this is very much more um, segmented than 2112. Um, but to me, it would be easier to give somebody that um, than something like 2112 that's a bit more high concept, even though 2112 is probably my favorite. Um, but it's all very well done and it's very interesting to hear where that's coming through. And I don't want to get too much into what the songs are because. Yeah. There's some weird ones, but I believe uh, Swagger, I'm gonna give credit where credit's due. Uh Swagger made the point um while we were testing his new audio setup uh before this record that this was where the drugs got good. Um because it went out there and it went crazy cosmic in places and it went way spacey and it it's a hell of a lot of fun mm-hmm. as far as the record goes. So
1: Yeah uh patrick speaking of swagger patrick what would be the teams on Illness that caught your attention
0: um it, it's it's the it is maybe the bridge between like early rush and and 80s rush uh some some human being in the world is the guy who gave rush a mini mook and that person should be knighted sainted like, treasured forever for giving Rush access to a synthesizer. I know it went too far in the 80s, but for a brief moment, for four or five records, a synthesizer and part of Rush was, like, the greatest thing ever. And this is this is the origins of that. This is the beginnings of that. Um, this is so... This is before Neil Peart was always one of the best drummers in the world. This is before he really got super show-offy and he just was unbelievably tight and perfect, which is respect respectable in its own right. Um lots of syncopation with with Getty on bass and stuff. And that was always something Rush did. Um and this is where they get really weird. Like if you thought twenty one twelve was kind of odd, because it is, it's you know, a twenty minute epic about, you know. Finding a guitar in a in a cave in an in a world of Lauren, long in the future without music that's weird. This, uh, th- like, a, a world
3: a hundred years from now
0: or so without music, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, like like that's weird. This makes twenty one twelve look like uh, like a nursery rhyme. Like this gets crazy. Like like Drew said, the drugs, whatever drugs they were taking at this point, were the best drugs. Yes, I
1: gave
2: credit to you. <laughs> yes.
1: uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, Brett, what would be some of the key tracks uh, to key in on? Some of the, some of your favorite songs.
3: Well, I'm gonna do record breakers the thing. Um, I, you know, I'm not gonna go deep into the song. A farewell to kings. You you start out and first thing you hear is underlying an audio track of birds singing, <laughs> um, and then a classical guitar comes in. And it has a melody that goes into it with a synthesizer. Enough said. Uh, then you go to the next song on the album, which oh my god, I like. I about shit in my pants when I saw them play live. Xanadu. No, not the roller skating. Uh, Livy Newton-John uh, movie. The Xanadu. The, it's I. I am not much of a lyrics guy. I've always told you guys that I'm more about the execution than the the content when it comes to the lyrics. But this is an 11 minute song about somebody finding the key to immortality and then finding themselves trapped in the prison of eternal life, waiting for the planet to die. Uh, It has modulated bells like, you know, like when you when I saw them play this live, it is a spectacle because they played this song. Alex was playing a double neck Gibson EDS 1275. Getty was playing a double neck Rickenbacker with a 12 string neck on the top of it because he was playing 12 string melodies at the end of it Um, I mean it's the most 70s ass 70s you could see Rush being and and like you know it's exceptional there's there's, uh, certain parts in this song where Getty just fucking breaks down and does like a lick that I don't know how he does the way he plays bass but you know he just did it and you get the really big Getty voice. You get like, you know, singing high and singing long and singing with all them lungs had. Um, moreover, it'll make you think twice about hanging out in the Pleasure Dome and breaking your <laughs> fast with Honeydew and the Milk Paradise. Yes. Um, and, you know, finally, at the end of this album, you have one part of a story. It's Cygnus X1, book one, colon... The ger- the voyage. Uh th- this song really speaks for itself. You listen to the song, you know what the song's getting to. Like y- you start out, you got like a weird like space voice man going <laughs> brah, 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 brah. and then they make like some god awful Star Trek noises with a synthesizer. And but it's the best god awful noise you could ever have. Uh you know, flying this is a song about again, lyrics don't really matter to me, but the story is important. You know, they're flying their spaceship that's named after Don Quixote's horse into a black hole in the Cygnus constellation. Uh, it's got some great growling bass. Like I don't know how they recorded it, because when you first hear the bass come in, it sounds like they're recording it from the other side of a basketball gym. Like, it, it, it sounds great. And then, like, the song opens up. They're like the the drum hooks right in and the bass and the drums do this amazing, weird time signal rotation. It's uh, th- like 3-4, 7-8, 3-4, then 4-4 four, four on a rotation. And it's like you almost get to the point where you can bob your head with it, but then they fucking do a... Blah, 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 and it screws you all up. The yeah. drums really steal the show on this album with this song. Uh, in the second act, though, Alex Lifeson does one of the best... And simplest wah wah guitar solo that is pure 70s rock and roll tone. Like, again, he doesn't play every note, but he plays the notes that he does perfectly. Like, and this is just a real testament to what you can do when you guys, when a band of three dudes play so much that they are just one guy. It is so tight. The way they recorded this, and there is not a sour note, not a dead note. Everybody plays everything, and you know it's even like as Carl from Aqua Team would say, you know this ain't no boom boom tss, crap. They're hitting like some notes on extremely weird timings, and you know that that song really sums up everything I love about Rush, because you know what this was this was about the time that Dungeons and Dragons was starting to be yeah. a thing. This was the time of fucking weird ass hallucinogenic drugs being. Making their way up to Canada, I guess I would assume. Yes. Um, but like this was, this is a very, very personally magical album, and you you definitely have to go to the next album, Hemispheres, and figure out what happens at the end of, uh, Cygnus X one, the story. Yes. I I will give you a hint. Uh, you'll you'll end up in Olympus, and, uh, (laughs) but
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Drew. What would be some of the key tracks for you?
2: Well, we're gonna start out with a farewell to Kings, um, because I thought I'm gonna try to come into this album as someone who has never listened to Rush before, um, or uh, better yet, um, better said, someone who's only heard of the stuff that most people, um, the layman, as we were calling him uh, earlier, has Burnham heard of Rush. <laughs> Right. You've, you've heard the Tom Zorys. You've heard the YYZs and all that. So you sort of think you know what you're getting with Rush. Um, and A Farewell to Kings, as Brett said, starts with uh, recordings of birds and uh, sort of acoustic guitar and all that. And I think that was really cool uh, as an entryway. It sort of steps you in. The synths sort of start working and you it quickly goes into sort of the Rush that people know that really sort of cool prog rock sound that rush is very, very well known for. And I think that serves uh, two purposes really greatly. One, I like calm uh, openings to records to just sort of like set you down, relax you and get you into it for stuff like this. That's a little more uh, thinky music as I would like to say. Um, but at the same time, it lets you let's the person that might've only heard those, the, your bump bum dumbs as uh, Brett so eloquently put it. It lets them know that, hey, by the way, um, we're going to mess with things. We're going to be all out there. We're going to be weird at times. Don't get too scared now. <laughs> um, closer to the Heart. Um, that was Rush's first real big splash hit, and I think it had good reason to be. Um, it was one of their shorter songs ever. Um, It was under three minutes, which for Rush is very, very odd. Um, But it still has that flair, the complex rhythms. It still has the the tight musicianship. It still goes all over the place. It's still Rush, but it's more palatable for the radio Um, and sort of is cool in that way. And then I think we're all going to end up talking about Cygnus X1 because Jesus Christ, that song was awesome. Um, It was... (laughs) it was that sort of super spacey super cosmic super like crazy rush it had the cool concept going for it um and it sort of leaves the album in this really cool spot um that lets you it's just sort of a reminder of like hey by the way we're rush we're a bunch of music nerds this is the one where like i very much like could sit and close my eyes and imagine being in the studio in like just like them sitting around like what else should we do? Like, let's, let's try this cool thing on this song. Like that, this is the song that like you hear synths coming in, in parts where like normal people wouldn't think to put sense there. But then once you hear it, there is no other place for it to go, but right where they smacked it, which that's just, I'm a musician. I like playing music. It's a fun thing to do. And it's a fun pursuit but there are some people that like have spent so much time working on it that like they just think on a different level. Yeah.
1: And then they smack it. Uh and that's for sure. Uh Patrick, what
0: would be some of the key tracks for you? Uh closer to the heart. I'm I'm a sucker for Rush's pop songs. Like they they are a band that can write a 20-minute song about anything. But then they can go write like three minutes of perfect rock music. And Closer to the Heart is a really, really good example of Rush's ability to do that. It's one of those songs where a music nerd can appreciate it because it is so perfectly executed. But someone who just likes classic rock radio hears it and like, yeah, that's a fucking good song because it is. And mostly because of topics and just the way it made me... uh, Go, uh, magical the next and last song. Not the best song on the record, but it's about dragons and shit. And somewhere in my mind, uh, Neil Pert is DMing uh a DD game. And I just want to be in that one time because he just seems like he'd be into that. And and Cygnus is just fucking weird. Really, really, really fucking weird in the best way possible. And uh uh, Brett mentioned the the wah solo and it's great because it doesn't Alex Lifeson at no point in that wah solo is trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix like everyone else with a wah pedal ever and because of that it works really really well um, Getty has the best bass tone that ever existed and no one's ever matched him Neil Peart's Neil Peart he's pretty much the greatest drummer of all time and you get all of it in this song mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah that's for sure uh, and we can kind of go back around the horn uh and get some complete thoughts and final th- conclusive thoughts true uh what would be your conclusive thoughts about the album
2: um like Brett said this is this is a bit different um for Rush than you're probably used to it goes a bit all over the place at times um and that's fine um you sort of expect that from a band with the sort of musical chops of a rush you expect an album here or there that goes everywhere at all the same moment um and i think that's kind of cool if you have any inkling of like sort of music theory or you're just a big fan of thinking about music deeply and you haven't listened to rush before i would go for it um this album if you go for this album first lord help you um at some points cuz this is very not much what you get from other records from them i would go for something like something a little easier like moving pictures first um but at the same moment like you would not you could not hold a gun to my head and tell me not to suggest this to a music nerd like this is rush is one of those bands that like if you like to think about music and you like to like sort of get into the nitty gritty of how awesome musicianship and good musicianship can be, you just need to go listen to an album like this. This needs to be in, in your rotation
0: Mm
1: -hmm. because
2: it's just God.
1: Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what would be your conclusive thoughts about the album?
0: Uh, I, I said at the top rush is one of the greatest bands ever. And, uh, if they are not remembered that way, it is a damn shame. This is a good Rush album. This is a really good, proggy, trippy, crazy Rush album because of because of its time and because of Rush, I think, finally feeling like they could do what they wanted. You know, that was sort of where 2112 picked up and they, they got to have a little more fun. And it you do get kind of the range of Rush from the crazy 20-minute, you know, complex things about crazy shit to you know a three-minute pop song that you can sing along with uh it's really good um and you should listen to it
1: Mm -hmm. uh and yeah brett last word what would you say uh what would be your conclusive last word on this album
3: if this was the only album that rush did i still would have driven all the way to another country and watched (laughs) them play 40 years after the, the formation of the band, holy crap, when I heard them play Xanadu with the double necks and played Cygnus X1 live in front of me in the Air Canada Center, I about shit myself because that is not something that you do. I mean, that, that's they wrote that song before I was born by a bunch and they're still able to play it and still able to hit the notes. Like seriously when you when the DVD comes out for the R40 concert I was there at the recording of it you can right. see what I saw yeah. it was amazing this is the perfect it, it, it's it's not instantly accessible like moving pictures of 2112 or even other stuff that came afterwards but this gives me straight unfettered 70s prog rock with just a dash more rock than prog yeah. um it, it's enough to like still give me goosebumps when i hear the 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 bass and the drums on Cygnus going back and forth through that odd timing shift being like how do these guys do it but it, you you might not like it but fuck you I like it and that's all <laughs> that matters
1: uh in modern parlance you would say they slayed. Yes, they slayed. Um
0: stop yeah. trying to make fetch happen Petey.
1: I, I did I'm not <laughs> making it happen. It's happening out there. I'm just I'm just translating, I'm just translating the outside world, um, but yeah. That being said, those were our thoughts on this album. It's Rush. Uh now let's get to our haikus, because uh, there's no more fitting thing to do for a, a band that once wore, wore a kimono for the back of their album uh, with Moose Knuckles, uh, than a haiku. Uh, so Patrick, what would be your haiku?
0: Praise to Cthulhu! Rush found a synthesizer, and the drugs were good.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and throw my my uh, haiku. Rush back in um, ru- rush back in my life with some new magical tales. Nothing wrong with that. I just said more instead of new, but whatever. Uh, Drew, what is your haiku?
2: The best musicians to come out of Canada refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Brett, what is your haiku?
1: I got
3: one of them too, Drew. Uh, tightness of the three, powerful in every way, exceptionally.
1: <laughs> exceptionally, yeah. Exceptional uh, stuff you could have done, but whatever.
2: No, exceptionally. One,
3: one word lines and haikus are magical. Yes. yes. And I'm glad me and Drew. <laughs> Refrigerator is awesome, though. Yes.
1: yes I love yes. you. Yes. Um.
2: Yeah, no, I, I specifically did that because I knew this entire time us was geeking out about uh Rush. You're just going to be smiling, so I wanted to make you laugh as well.
1: Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's all our thoughts on Rush. Go listen to Rush. Uh, I don't have to tell you more. Uh Yeah next week of course we have another album and provider of next week albums next week's album that's where the apostrophe s is supposed to go uh next a week i'm pretty sure uh, next of the week yeah next of the week you uh,
2: racist sons of bitches yes <laughs> Drew.
1: as you can say as you can tell drew is the provider of next week's album what do you got for us next week
2: Unlike you would think of with my hat, we're not doing uh, Michael Jackson. Um, Unlike these racist fucks might lead you to believe, we're not doing Frank Sinatra. Um, We're going to go back to 1992. We're going to go back to a band you've probably heard um, from Anaheim, California. We're going to do No Doubt. We're not going to do that record, though, because that was the beginning of the end. and That makes me sad. Um, We're going to do their self-titled record with no doubt.
1: I look forward to being trapped in a box? Uh-huh.
0: Was it
2: that record?
1: I don't remember. I...
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay.
1: yes. Okay. Alright. I, I, I'm I, surprised we all know that album. Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of comical. Uh, but I look forward to that. That's next week. This is this week. So it brings us to another episode, end of another episode of Record Breakers. Uh, of course, you can find us on the internet. Patrick is at the Swagger. Brett is at H-I-B-B-I-T-Y-B-I-B-B-A-R-D Drew is at X-Juice for X i xi am at PD Rave The show's at 4 Record Breakers Number 4 Record Breakers RecordBreakersPodcast.com RecordBreakersPodcast At gmail.com Rebelli.net TV On YouTube Subscribe Share Like Do the things Find us everywhere Tell people about us uh, Give us feedback uh, Until next time Hasta los huevos
3: too da too 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 a doo too 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 da too 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 da too 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 too